Welcome to Candidates of Liberty, a special series from Lions of Liberty dedicated to spotlighting libertarian candidates across the country. If you enjoy our work, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Hey, everybody, it is Brian McWilliams. Welcome to Candidates of Liberty, episode number seven. And I do want to emphasize episode number seven because you're going to hear me say that this is episode number six during our interview, and uh, I don't want to awkwardly go through and replace every time that I said it wrong because we had a little confusion as far as which episode was publishing when during the interview or else it would (laughs) get that awkward uh, thing when I'm in the middle of the conversation and then you just hear seven inserted there randomly. So yes, Candidates of Liberty, episode number seven with Lucy Brenton, and you can find all of the show notes at lionsofliberty.com forward slash C-O-L-7. All right, now let's get into it. All right, guys, welcome to a brand new Candidates of Liberty. I am here today with Lucy Brenton, and Lucy actually was on the show a couple years ago on Lions of Liberty, and uh, she is back, though, running again, taking another run, uh, shoving her head back into the maw of the political beast once more. And running for Senate in Indiana. So I want to get into, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the race itself. But before we do that, I want to hear more from you just about your background. Why did you become a libertarian? Why are you still a libertarian? And and all that good stuff. (laughs) Um, well, first, I had the most awesome interview with you two years ago, so thank you. You've got a oh. high bar to reach at this point. Um, so anybody that wants to hear you know, all the nitty-gritty details of my religious upbringing and spiritual um, penchant can go listen to the one from two years ago. Yes, and I will um, definitely link to that uh, as idea. well. Don't worry. I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes, too, for this episode. But why am I back? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, uh, I did this two years ago. You think I would have gotten smarter in the last two years? <laughs> Um, the reason that I'm back is because evil didn't stop and they didn't stop. Uh, they didn't end the Fed, which yep. would have been the first thing that I did on my first day in the Senate is giving them a pink slip. Um, they're still uh, stealing money out of people's paychecks. Um, I'm still paying too much in taxes at the gas pump. My property taxes went up. Basically, um, there's still statism and authoritarianism to fight. And that's what I like to do. So, I like it. So what? So just in a nutshell, what drove you? Obviously, you know, when you talk about the Federal Reserve, I'm I'm uh, going to say you were inspired by Ron Paul. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, Ron Ron Paul was a was a big part of it. But even back into the 80s, I was reading books by G. Edward Griffin. Okay. Um, and so, you know, Lightning Over the Treasury Building, other books like that led me to really understand at a very young age, before I had my first full time job, and mm-hmm. and the theft occurred from my own paycheck. I understood fiat money and I understood how you can't create something out of nothing. Um, And I even wrote, (laughs) believe it or not, I'm such a nerd. I wrote to the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago in 1993 (laughs) because there were no internet, there was no internet, there were no PDFs. And I asked them for a copy of Modern Money Mechanics, which you can now get for free, um, probably on Scribd or something like that, where it literally says, they sent me a copy, it literally says that money is created by checkbook entry. Well, yeah. shoot, I can't put a million dollars into my checkbook. And just <laughs> it. So I figure the government probably shouldn't have that power either. 
Damn well right. Well, and that's I, I just love the concept of you learning. Uh, you know, so like I said, before you even had your first job, we need more children learning before they get their first job, just how they the government operates, just how much they're getting taken out of. You know, I love the the concept of that, and that's why you know you see some of these like the Tuttle Twins have some books that tie into libertarianism. But you know, that is powerful when you go and get this first part time job as a waitress or whatever it is. You know, I was a busboy, and you see that coat <laughs> taken out, and you go, I know exactly why this is happening, and I don't like it. I know. I looked at my last paycheck. I lost like $360 just to the feds. And I was like, that's more than my car payment. There's, yeah. They're robbing me of a Mercedes. Well, I don't have a Mercedes, but if I, if I had that $360 times two every month, I could have a Mercedes. Well, I bet the I bet the people that you're running against have Mercedes. So let's they talk a little do. bit about them. Yeah, I, I, without a doubt. I know the incumbent, I believe, is uh, is Donnelly, right? The Democratic. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So tell me. So so we got Donnelly on one side. Tell me a little bit about uh, his platform and what you're attacking, and also the Republican that you might be running against in this uh, in this yeah. race. Um, Donnelly is a great Democrat for being in a predominantly Republican state. We are predominantly Republican, except for our big. Um, Population bases, Indianapolis, Evansville, Lake County, Gary, you know, that's really Chicago, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, he does a great job of of voting Republican on a number of issues, and it keeps him getting elected because there are a certain number of Republicans that will vote for him because he's right. so centrist. But where I attack him is on the basic issues of statism, right? He hasn't stopped civil asset forfeiture in any form. He hasn't advocated for the um, for the full legalization of marijuana as a libertarian right along with our party, which has been advocating this since 1971, since our inception, for equality of marriage. In fact, I take that a step further. My husband and I got married in 1991, and we don't even have a marriage license because we understood that a license is permission to do something which is otherwise illegal, like Mm. practicing medicine without a license. (laughs) And it wasn't illegal for us to decide to get married and have kids. So F the government, I'm not giving you 75 bucks. Um, And therefore, we've operated for now 28 years without a marriage license. Well, you know what? After hearing this, Lucy, if you ever get divorced, call me up. I mean, I'm married, but hey. (laughs) I see a future between us. You know, if there's consenting adults that come to a contract within within them, um, adults being the key term there and consenting be the other key term with the hashtag Me Too, Me Too movement, um, I'll look you up. But the, the problem is, is that politicians naturally change their views from year to year. So Donnelly was, you know, against gay marriage before he was for it. Mm-hmm. And he was against the legalization medically only, of course, of marijuana before he was for it. So, you know, he is right along in line with what I see as the big evil, which is not giving people sovereign control over their own bodies. It's a very simple issue. Either you own yourself or you don't. Either you go to work and you own the products um, and the result of what you produce, whether mental or physical, or you don't. When the government can come in and say, you know what? I know you have anxiety. I know you have chronic pain, but we don't want you to go from being unhappy to happy, from anxious to content, from you know sad to happy. And we, we have such a vested interest and control over you that we literally have the right to determine what substances go into your body in order to change your very state. So for me, it's chocolate. I do like 90 to 95% dark chocolate. That is my drug of choice. So if I'm unhappy, I eat chocolate and I feel great. But if my friend who smokes marijuana smokes marijuana and goes from anxious to happy, they get arrested and put into a right. cage and then you and I have to pay for it. That's like the ultimate insult. Well, now, and you're, so that so it's interesting you could attack the, uh, it's good you could attack the Democrat from that side of things. So they, you know, and many people have said attack the left from the left. And of course, the legalization of marijuana and, and combating against the drug war, those are some major issues as is gay marriage. What about the 
the man on the right. I, I know less about him. I know he's, I know Trump has, uh, you know, given him a, a tap on the, the, the top of the head and, you know, and a little chuck on the chin. So I know he's got yeah. behind him. And, yeah, I know, the, and I was watching an interview actually with Indodet, the Indianapolis star, which did mention you. And as did a CNBC yes. article, I was happy to see that because yeah. at least you're not getting completely ignored. And I know you said you're polling around 8%. Hopefully we continue to see that go up. But, um, you know, I, I did see that uh, some of the people were talking about how they, in Indiana, they had voted for Trump. So that does weigh into the election cycle, I'm sure. Well, the crazy thing about our Republican primaries is that Mike Braun, the man who won, was the Trumpiest of the Trumpeters. <laughs> and and he, he agreed enthusiastically to perform fellatio on Trump better than any other Republican <laughs> in the room. And he spent millions of his own money. His net worth is somewhere between 60 and $90 million. Um, and he owns thousands of acres in Southern Indiana and all this trucking and manufacturing and all that. Um, so a lot of people really feel that he came in and spent his own money in order to win the Republican primary. An interesting note, he's from a predominantly Democratic county. So he was very soundly criticized for having voted in the Democratic primaries for years and years, and then turning around and suddenly seeing the light and becoming a Republican, mm -hmm. yet claiming he was Republican all the way along. So, you know, the, the question with, and I mentioned this two years ago, Tweedledee and Tweedledummer, who do you want to be more authoritarian from a right authoritarian or a left authoritarian? Do you want them controlling your money or your body? Do you want them deciding that what you do in the bedroom uh, versus just simply stealing your money, and giving it to somebody else? I mean, those are really two sides of the same coin. So, you know, Mike Braun plays up, um, you know, the Republican values and all that kind of crap. But really, there are no Republican values left. I mean, the Republicans talk small government, but every time they get elected, they vote for bigger government. Right. Which we just saw play out in, in real life. I mean, maybe this is something you can use as a, as a talking point in your yeah. campaign. Of course, we just saw this $150 billion spending bill go through with nary a peep, except for maybe from a couple of people on the Freedom Caucus, as we look at trillion dollar deficits. Um, yeah, that's really crazy. And with that, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, um, she was just criticized for... Uh, suggesting $40 trillion Not in entitlement right. <laughs> programs. And she's figured out how to pay for $2 trillion of it. So I guess that's pretty damn good math, isn't it? Especially for a socialist. Well, you know, it's going to take her some time, of course. You know, let her get a running start. Yeah, she's just uh, absurd. Uh, is your Democratic uh, opponent, Is he? he's not going down the socialist route, though, right? Uh, he's, he's already been in the Senate, so he's probably terrified of any socialism creeping into the, the race. Um, the thing that Donnelly is most terrified on right now is having to vote as an incumbent on Kavanaugh, oh, because yeah. um, he's met with Kavanaugh. He's not criticized Kavanaugh too much. Kavanaugh is a mixed bag. People always ask me about him. And my, I'm like, look, he's like everybody else. He's got his good points. He's got his bad points. He seems to be great on the Second Amendment, but the Fourth Amendment, he absolutely sucks. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, which do you want? Do you want your guns taken away or do you want them to, you know, come in and just, you know, search and seizure and all that kind of stuff and, and warrantless searches? So people... Um, people are really divided on Kavanaugh in this state. And if you look at the polls for Donnelly, the incumbent, gosh, the way that he votes on Kavanaugh could seemingly swing 30% either way. He is damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. Yeah. Well, here's an interesting question for you then, because we're seeing, you know, what's playing out with Kavanaugh right now. And hopefully people listen to this in the next couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, we're seeing this whole situation play out where they're talking about delaying the hearing until they can do an FBI investigation into the allegations by the woman. Uh, and, you know, if it does get extended and it runs past into, you know, past the midterm election point, uh, are you now considering having to take your own position on Kavanaugh and which way you would vote on it? Because it may end up, you know, as this thing gets pushed farther along, you might have to. 
Um, I would welcome the opportunity to do a real investigation and to determine whether or not somebody is fit to run or fit to serve rather in the position of uh, Supreme Court justice. So the interesting thing about that is both of my opponents are male. I'm female. Um, you know, I could easily be part of the Me Too movement as well. It's um, it's really hard to say because in a libertarian society, the responsibility of the accuser, the accuser would be as high as the responsibility of the accused. So the problem is, is we can have Dianne Feinstein sit on a memo. We can have somebody sit on a story for 35 years. And when it's brought to life at the most inopportune time for the country in order to, to have the maximum disruptive capability, um, is it simply a political ploy? Or, you know, is this really something where you know, this woman has suffered psychological harm. Um, you know, she admits that it was just an attempted, I say just, I don't want to say just. Right, I know. She admits that there was an attempted rape, um, not a fulfillment of rape. Um, that's really not the issue. The issue is, is she being used? Mm-hmm. Most certainly. Is her story being used? Absolutely. Have we seen this play out before? Yep, 1991, Clarence Thomas. So what should we do now? Um, what we should do is make sure that the accuser and the accused are on a level playing field. In a libertarian society, that accuser um, should she be found to have had a false allegation um, and harmed, libel, slander, etc., um, and harmed the political and career opportunities of this man, she would be held to the standard of restitution. Mm-hmm. Um, it's too easy for people to accuse, uh, and we see this all the time. Oh my gosh, I hate this. To see people that are accused of rape, they spend... 30 years in jail, and then the accuser, whether male or female on that that violence and abuse, comes forward and said, gee, it's really, it's just hurt my soul to carry the fact that I lied. And this person, and then what happens to them? Absolutely nothing. So until that playing field between the accuser and the accused, until the the outcome and the result is serious enough on both sides that they're both held to the same standard, I'm going to have to take an isolated incident, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to have to I'm going to have to consider voting for Kavanaugh. I'm glad I don't have to actually give you an answer, yes or no, but I would definitely... No, it's, well, that was a very good answer. I mean, it's, it shows that you thought about the question very deeply, which I'm sure, by the way, is far more deeply than most senators that actually have a vote on Kavanaugh have thought about it. You know, typically, I think it's going to come down to, if you're Republican, you're going to vote for him. If you're Democrat, you've already decided you're not going to. So, uh, no, I thought that was a, a very thoughtful answer, and I, I appreciate you... Uh, Thank you. Mine was mine was an internal answer from the soul searching of a woman who's been on the dating scene and been a high school um, girl and college girl in that not that exact situation, but something you know very similar. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't spend ten thousand dollars on a poll to decide which way to (laughs) weigh my opinion. Well, hopefully you'll get some donations, and you can. Yes, Lucy for Senate.com forward slash donate. Um, there you go. And by the way, so I will link to all of these links. Uh, you're gonna be able to find the show notes at lionsofliberty.com forward slash C O L six, by the way. So you can find all of that. We're gonna links to all of the campaign websites, uh, and you know, some beautiful pictures of you. <laughs> Everything you need to wow these people. Um, okay, so next question. Let's say things come together. You are now the senator, uh, one of the senators for Indiana. What are the three things you would do once you were elected? Um, I'm still very set on ending the Fed. Um, So I would do everything that I can, pink slip. I won't violate the NAP per se, um, but we must stop the funding mechanism for the evil. That's the absolute first thing. Second thing is this whole border wall thing is absolutely ridiculous. I think we need to have a discussion about open immigration. Uh, That doesn't mean free and, uh, you know, 
unfettered access across our borders. What that means is an individual is born into the world, but by the accident of their birth, they're born inside a certain geopolitical fence. And a free individual in a free society and a free world should be able to live wherever they think most aligns with their goals and their dreams. So if there are people that are coming here to the U.S. because they're hard workers, they have a lot to offer, they have, I mean, Tesla, you know, we wouldn't want have wanted to keep out Tesla. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure that good people who have a lot to contribute have an easy path to citizenship, um, if that's what they desire, or an easy path to work here without citizenship, if that's what they desire. But we, what's clear is there must be a concerted effort to know who is coming in and out of the country and to keep out the criminal element. That being said, tag on the war on drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the war on drugs is obviously a wonderful way to to fund black box, uh, black box operations. Um, the CIA has used the war on drugs as a way to um, launder money to sell arms to the very people who are turning around and turning those arms and those weapons against our sons and daughters and husbands and wives serving in the military. So the war on drugs is something that must be stopped. It would obviously almost obviate the need for a border wall at all um, because the people that are in Mexico that are being hunted down and killed by the very guns that we sold them. Mm -hmm. My goodness. um, What if we hadn't sold all those guns to the Mexican drug cartels? They wouldn't be killing people who wouldn't then be fleeing the country and coming here as illegal immigrants. Um, Well, not only that, but the amount of people that would have jobs, you know, should this, uh, should the war on drugs end, just think about how much farming, how much uh, infrastructure we put into place there to support a farming industry of legalized marijuana or anything else that would keep those people there, provide them with a good standard of living. Uh, Or like you're talking about, we've got cross-border immigration, people coming in to work visas to farm marijuana over here. Yeah. Well, (laughs) self-employed prophecy um, to help anything. Take very hardworking people from Haiti. They're making $2 a day. They can come to Miami and work for $10 an hour, send the money back home and provide wonderful, in many cases, very skilled and unskilled labor to the people of Miami at a much lower rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that would free those people who are making you know, $15 or $20 an hour to go up to the $50 an hour jobs. Bringing in um, skilled or unskilled labor, regardless, bringing in that new labor is going to be a boon to our economy. Mm-hmm. It makes the pie bigger Everyone is sold on scarcity mindset because fear drives votes. And it's much easier to, to use fear to drive per- people off of a cliff than it is to come to the edge and peer over and say, hey, it looks really great down there. Why don't you jump? <laughs> uh, yeah, the politicians know how to manipulate people. Without a doubt. Well, here's a tough one. Here's the, here's the last question. Uh-oh. It's the toughest one. Uh, you've had two years to think about this since you've been on uh, Lyle <laughs> to Liberty, but we didn't ask you this the first time. But okay. what's one libertarian position or viewpoint that you don't know if you are fully on board with, like a libertarian platform or a broader concept of libertarianism that you say, I don't know. I just don't know if I'm sold on it. I've got to go with the schism um, that is in just about every political philosophy, and that is abortion. Mm. I'm a woman with 10 kids. I don't want anybody to ever have an abortion. I don't want anybody to ever be in the position where they have to have an abortion. Um, if you go to reason.com, they have a, a lot of things that show the, you know, the each side of the issue. And on the libertarian side of the abortion issue is the idea that um, my happiness as and, and my life as an established individual is something that is my bundle of rights and that my womb is almost like, you know, a rental space. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not meaning to make light of this. It's not something that I personally believe. So I'm trying to understand that other side, but uh, that the life that I have is 
not something that must be sacrificed for the potential life that is within me. Mm-hmm. And so my rights as as an already established person, trump the rights of the person that is not yet established. That's kind of a broad view of the libertarian philosophy. For some people, um, it can also be expressed as, I don't want somebody forcing me into chemotherapy, which sometimes happens. If, uh, if I had cancer and they wanted to give me chemotherapy, they might try to say that I'm crazy in order to bill me $350,000 for chemotherapy. I don't want anything forced into my body. I don't want anything forced out of my body. China, one world, one child policy and all that. On the flip side, where my heart is, is I have 10 children and I love babies. And I'm fortunate enough to have been the type of woman who birth came to fairly easily. If birth can be easy, I had easy births. Mm -hmm. And um, it's very easy for me to say, keep the baby, deliver the baby and give the baby up for adoption. Because my my personal experience was, you know, delivering babies at home. I mean, that's how it was for me. So, uh, and my two do- my two daughters that have had babies have had babies at home, you know, successfully. So it's easy for me having had ber- easy birth experiences to say that to a, another woman. Um, but I have friends who almost died in labor, and there is a very rare situation, very very rare, where it is possible that the mother could die. You know, Maybe she has kidney disease and she literally could not handle the excess volume um, on her kidneys and she has to make that decision between herself um, and the unborn child. So those decisions must necessarily be left up to the person whose soul is going to bear the karma or the judgment or whatever you want to say. So as I said before, and I'll say it again, this is not a federal issue. The federal government should have no business funding Planned Parenthood, funding abortion, even funding good work done by good Christian people or good Muslim people or good Catholic or I guess that sort of Christian or good Jewish people. The government should simply stay out of it. There's no compelling reason for them to steal from the rest of us to redistribute to things that they think have merit because it's not the federal government's job to decide what that merit is. States' rights, if a state wants to have abortion, I probably wouldn't live there. I can vote with my feet. If Indiana were to do that, I could vote with my feet and move someplace else and vice versa. So that free market concept, that union of states, we are the United States, allows people the freedom of movement to make those decisions and to, when they do pay tax dollars, to pay them to the entity that they think most represents their viewpoint. Vote with your dollars, vote with your talent, live where you think you're going to get the best deal and you can provide the most to your society. All right, there you go. I like it. Very good answer. Uh, Lucy, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming back on the uh, the show. And I, you know, very exciting to have you on Candidates of Liberty this time around too. Um, you know, again, our focus on uh, on the candidates. So guys, to remind you, lionsofliberty.com forward slash C-O-L-6. Please do go check out Lucy's campaign pages. If you can throw her some ducats, throw her some ducats and, uh, and, and help her get hopefully into the Senate. And if nothing else, help her make an impact in this race, help her spread the message of liberty. Because if nothing else, even if you don't get in there, you're still spreading the ideas of liberty. You're still out there fighting the good fight. And I want to thank you for that. Thank you. It was a pleasure. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, we will keep tabs on Lucy's race. And uh, for me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty from Lucy, I want to thank you for tuning in to Candidates of Liberty. We'll be back again next Tuesday with another brand new show and a brand new candidate. Hey, everybody, a quick addendum at the end of this. Lucy did want me to mention the fact that the debates hopefully will be airing on C-SPAN or another uh, outlet, possibly online, where you can watch them. But the Indiana Senate race debate will be October 8th, and Lucy is involved in that. She will be on the stage tearing these men to pieces. And uh, 
really cleaned up the last time she took part in the debate. I'm looking forward to seeing her in action again. So if you have the time and you can find the channel, get yourself a box of popcorn and enjoy watching a libertarian actually take part in a debate and uh, do some damage.